Good morning, party people. It is March the 25th, 2022 here in Egypt, and the time is now 9.28 a.m. How y'all doing? I'm doing great. Um, Things are going well, and um, as I move closer to my my first Ramadan experience, um, things are getting pretty exciting. I'm learning a lot. Um, One of the things that I've learned is that... (laughs) A lot of um, people who practice uh, Ramadan, they break their fast with dates. Now, let me say this to y'all. There's a lot of dates here. As a matter of fact, when I go to Carrefour today, I'll take pictures of the... They do these whole, like, grand uh, presentations of dates in the grocery stores right around this time. And it's noticeable. Like, it's, it's like... Um, what Thanksgiving would be in a grocery store or what Valentine's Day would be in a grocery store. Like you, you walk in and you see it like, so I never really, I, you know, I know that dates are grown, grown here, but I never really, uh, processed, you know, cause like in the United States, there's no big deal made about dates. You know, you gotta like hunt them down to, to actually get your hands on them. And in some grocery stores, they, they're, they're pretty much non-existent especially when you get into the hood you know what I mean like ain't nobody eating dates I remember my grandmother used to eat prunes um but anyway not only do dates um aid in the growth of hair they also uh are good for breaking your fast because a date has like every single nutrient or mineral that a body needs like you can eat dates and it'll get you to your next meal and I never knew that so you know while I'm getting these like you know helpful hints on uh things I'm going to need to do and practice and be ready for for this fasting experience I'm learning so I wanted to tell y'all that that dates actually help the hair grow they help the uh they give the body what it needs now this doesn't mean if you're eating a bunch of fried chicken and fast food and all that that it's actually gonna work y'all you know this this is possibly based on whole diet (laughs) Um, but for the most part, people eat the people and children eat them here like popcorn. So it might, um, I don't know. I accept it. If a culture says it helps in the hair growth, I accept it. And I had started eating them before I left. Um, and I can't even remember why I, I just remember, um, when Casey and I were together, we started buying them and he eats them a lot and he has amazing hair. So I don't know. Um, so about today is Friday. Yesterday was Thursday. Then there was Wednesday. Maybe it was Tuesday. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday. I came in for lunch. I came into my room, put my bags down, went back into the kitchen. And I, the energy was different. My roommate was in the kitchen and the energy was just different. And she turns around and she says, did you hear? Did you hear what happened to me? Now, let me say, let me tell y'all first off the bat, off the bat. When I hear, did you hear what happened to me from anybody's mouth? If they're not smiling, the first thing I think about is victim. I I just do. I just do. It's not. um, I've been that person. And maybe in my transformation of coming out of 
the victim kind of identity, it just sticks with me. But you're either going to be like, oh, my God, did you hear what happened to me? Or you're going to be like, did you hear what happened to me? So I stepped back a little bit and um, a part of me was like, I didn't want to hear it because my roommate and I, um, she's white, I'm black, she's British, I'm American. It's, it's just, it's a dynamic. She's a Leo, I'm a Scorpio. She's a night owl. I'm a morning glory. You know, it's, um, we're really visibly and, and spiritually two opposites. She doesn't practice really any faith, even though she, uh, brought weird stuff in the house over Christmas break. Um, so it's just a, um, it's a, uh, no, I just went through something in that moment, but I was like, let me listen, let me hear what's going on because I got to eat and we're both in the kitchen. So basically during her break, she got brought into the office with the director, the AQC and the department head. And (laughs) her fifth graders had reported or somebody had reported that she had told her fifth graders to, and I quote, sit their asses down. And she had gotten a warning for it. She had to sign a piece of paper and they had a whole talk with her during her free break, during her free period. Now, I'm saying that because this is what was told to me. And I know that there's two sides to every story, but I'm telling you the side of the story that I was told. And from there, it went to, you know, me like literally asking, well, what exactly happened in the meeting, you know, because I had already knew that she had gone from in our just vague conversations throughout the year of how was your day kind of stuff that she had actually admitted to me that she had told them one day to sit their asses down. But she was like, but ass is not a bad word. Now, I'm not a mother. And I've told seventh graders to sit their asses down. As a matter of fact, I've been like, sit your, sit your ass down. I've been like that. Um, but I will admit from a cultural standpoint, how you say that and when you say it, it's all about timing. It's all about the people. It's all, it's, it's about a lot of things, but for the most part, you don't have to say it because most of the time it's about relationship building. Okay. Now, for my roommate, it was, I had told them repeatedly, I had told them repeatedly, I had told them repeatedly to sit down, sit down, but they don't listen to me. Okay? Master mentality. How do you then go into, okay, what am I doing wrong? Because, now, let me say this to y'all. She's right. I've substituted for her fifth graders before. And it's like pop-up beans. (laughs) They won't, they don't sit down. They don't, they're not really interested in sitting down. They don't really know how. It's just, you know, they're fifth graders though. Like, right. they, They are fucking fifth graders. That's their children. And they're in a system that, you know, the accountability is, is different. However, they're still in a classroom. So when I subbed her class, I'll stand there. And say things like, 
We cannot begin until everybody is seated. I have some wonderful things to tell y'all, but I cannot tell y'all these wonderful things until you are in your seats. And I don't know, sometimes I think because I am American and I am a black woman and nobody really knows me and I have a really good reputation with my sixth graders that people are just waiting for me to walk into the classroom to see, you know, what kind of magic I'm going to sprinkle on them. I really don't know. And I'm not bragging. But I do know or I feel that my roommate walks in with a master's mentality and all of us are walking around with this DNA in us that we can't explain, but we want things to be our way. And it's very few of us who want to change how we are in order to get the results that we desire. But because I come out of the system of creativity and I do come out of a system of slavery, we're constantly innovating. We're constantly saying, you know what, how can I get away with <laughs> How can I get what I want without losing my life? That's pretty much how black Americans think. How can I get, get away with getting what I want without losing my life? And as we break that down, it becomes innovation. It becomes ingenuity. It becomes this like this weird way of adjusting. And when we're really sensitive, we make connections. So back to this, what happened to my roommate. In the meeting, um, you know, of course, she's telling them, I've been telling y'all I need help. I've been telling y'all, I've sent y'all emails. Y'all don't answer my emails. You know, uh, I'm not receiving any help, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she said that the director, who is over everything, is like the principal, said to her that her inability to make connections with the kids is a weakness. Now, I do see that as a bully move because um, our director, he's a big, tall, white, bald British man. So I think sometimes people with the physical presence of power take for granted that physical presence of power. My roommate has some of the physical presence, but she also has the master's mentality. So she believes that just because she walks in a room and says, okay, children, sit down, that the children are supposed to just be okay and sit down. And that's not how it works. And especially with fifth graders. There's a certain, she, she just hasn't, she doesn't have the training. Let me just put it that way. She doesn't have the training. And even if she's had the training, she hasn't accepted it. You know, she she is one of those people that says, you know, where I'm from, when you tell the kids to sit down, they sit down. Well, shit, where I'm from, when you tell the kids to sit down, they sit down. But once again, I come out of a different system. I come out of whippings. I come out of thumps. I come out of, you know, kind of the threat of physical um, action, you know. And when I was young and a... I don't even think I had a teacher that ever cussed at us. I think the first man that ever cussed at us was my college professor, my algebra college professor. And he was African. And he didn't even use a bad word. He said something like, damn, you know. Um, but I can honestly say that as an educator, I've never cussed at my kids in a way that made them feel hurt or injured. So by that, I mean... If I'm up at teaching 
and I make a mistake on the board. They'll say, Miss Spencer, you misspelled something, something. And I might say, oh, shit. You see what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I've never been like, you motherfuckers, y'all the worst people. I've never been that. But I know people who are like that. And you can't get a child's respect like that. And I'm not saying my, my class, I'm not saying my roommate used motherfucker. Because white people don't know how to really use motherfucker. What I'm saying is, she walks around here with a master's mentality. Um, and by that, I mean she teaches eighth grade. She teaches fifth grade. And she teaches sixth grade. Those are three of the most difficult grades to teach in the building where we are. But this is a woman who also will stay out till 11 o'clock at night. Come in, get up, have her breakfast and go to work. And sometimes she's looking a mess. Now, I'm not saying you got to go to bed at eight o'clock at night in order to get your rest so that you can be there for the kids. But wouldn't it be to your benefit to ease into your night so that you can have a better day? I mean, I'm asking because I do. I came here. I've always been the person that's like, I got to go to bed because I got to be at work in the morning. Not because I got to be at work in the morning, not because I'm worried about punching the clock, but because I have to stand in front of somebody's child and give everything I have to ensure that that child learns something, even if it's <laughs> a different way to say motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know what I mean? Like to apply myself to the work that I have to do, not to being at work, but to the work that you have to do. And I watch it over and over and over and over again. And then you wake up one day and you have been the victim of your own inability to cope. So, um, the way that she talked about the leadership and how they dealt with her was very, and such and such, you know, she says their names with this, this, this venom. And this vitriol. So then, towards the end, she says, you know, maybe I, sh- maybe I should be like you and, you know, come home and, and make sure that my lesson plan is done. And she gets her lesson plans in on time. She gets her lesson plans in before I get mine in. Um, but, you know, she was just basically saying, maybe I should be like you and just focus. Focus on what I need to do and find me, you know, start looking for another job. And But see, she's also got a new beau here in Egypt she's found a boyfriend here in Egypt and shit has changed because at first she was like she was applying for jobs before I applied for jobs and she was always talking about jobs and now you know for the like past three or four weeks since she's been dating um that has all kind of like under the rug so much so that like she's living here more like she's going out and buying stuff and decorating the apartment more I need to take a picture of that couch to show y'all what she done put on the couch so, yeah, I know I need to blow my nose. Don't, I'm sorry. Just bear with me. Um, so with that being said, maybe you should be like me. So I, now I'm looking at her like, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. It's your life. Do what you want to do. All I know is um, I don't see things the way you see them. I don't do things the way you do them. And you don't listen to me anyway, because when we first got here and y'all know this in the first podcast, I would say to her certain things and she would be like, oh, and it it almost became like this competition thing where she would do it just enough to make me notice and then go slide on back down the pole into who she really is. 
And I was okay with that because I know slow and steady wins the race. I, I am a big proponent of if you ain't focused on what other people think about you and if you focus on what you got to do, even if you get lost in the, the, the wave and the, the, the ebb and flow of people's opinions of you every now and then, if you can manage to pull yourself up out of that water and keep moving at the speed and the pace that God has set you on, you will win. It's not going to be how you see it because you, how you see it is based on how other people how, is based on how you see other people seeing you win. But anyway, so um, I told her that I didn't like seeing her cry because <laughs> she did. She broke. She cried and double blinking, making the tears come out. And I just didn't know what to do. And this, I just feel so attacked. I said, I don't like, I don't like you feeling attacked. I don't think you, um, deserved to be taken off on your break. Um, but what you got to understand is these, these Egyptians, they don't give a fuck. They don't y'all like, they're like, we got a problem. And if we have to snatch you up out of your sleep in the middle of the night to sit down and have a come to Jesus moment with you, we will snatch you up out of your bed in the middle of the night. They are very, very forceful in their approach to telling you things. And I'm not saying they're aggressive. Remember, I said uh, early in one of my podcasts that my AQC was like, I mean, not my AQC, my uh, department head was like, what did he say to me? Um, he said something like, um, you might you you might want to consider some some some. Well, when they say when they say you should do some or you might want to consider, they're really saying do what I'm telling you to do. Language barrier or not. And when you don't do it and shit fall apart, then they are very much like <laughs> why why you didn't listen to me? And you can't then go, "Well, you said I should have did that." You that's not how that no, that's not, that's not how that works. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, we have our whole talk and I tell her, I said, well, you know, if you're overwhelmed, don't be overwhelmed, you know, maybe take a day or two off, maybe tell them that, you know, Hey, on Wednesday, I'm not going to be able to teach class X. I'll be there next week, but I won't be there today. I'm giving her all this once again, shit that I would do if I felt even remotely under the pressure that I was thinking that she felt. But then a part of me was like, Kamika, she's a Leo. This is that moment where all the pressure of her actions have come upon her and she's having to pay for them. And once she gets past this, just like she did when she came in that day and she wanted to resign, she'll be back to her old shit. I did. But I had to be true to myself. As an empath and as a person who gives a fuck about humanity, you know, I'm hopeful for people. Sometimes to my own demise, I am hopeful for people. So I tell her these things, she nods her head, and then I take my lunch into my bedroom and close my door and lock it, have my lunch, take my nap, go back to work. So that evening I come in that afternoon and we're off of work and I'm like, how you doing today? She just kind of nods her head, doesn't say anything. Come into my room, mind my own business. The next morning she's up, 
Um, no. No, yesterday. So this had to have been Wednesday because yesterday I noticed that she had, Wednesday night she had went and got, gotten a lot of candy. <laughs> so she done went and bought candy for the kids, I guess. I don't know. I know she had bought candy and she had it in these little bags and she took to work. So, uh, and that night she was back out, you know, uh, socializing with um her new beau and the new white guy that just got hired david so you know i'm just looking at it like do you y'all like absolutely do you but i am no longer inclined to uh be too nice or too considerate i'm not gonna say nice but be too considerate in how i'm watching whiteness operate I'm I'm watching it operate. I'm watching light-skinnedness operate. I'm watching all of these things operate and it makes me even more um it 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 makes me more um prone. It makes me more um I don't want to say adverse. It it just makes me more um willing to put energy into how blackness and I mean when I say when I say blackness I'm talking about people who don't pass the brown paper bag test how blackness oper- how blackness is being treated and how black blackness operates um, around these kind of energies and how we have to always always reel ourselves in and not so much anymore. I'm really proud of that, too. I'm really proud that brown-skinned people are just like, fuck this shit. You know, I'm going to go all out. But I, I also feel like it's a part of our cosmic blessing. Um, melanin is a cosmic blessing. And the more of it you have, it's weird how God is like, I'm going to give you, like, a shitload of melanin. And then you wake up one day and you're at the bottom of the human pool. Like, you're at the bottom. Like, when people look at you, you already know they're not choosing you. You already know, you know, that they're, they, when they talk about slavery, if they can't see the blackness in you, then there's this, like, well, I'm not really talking about you. You're not, you're not like everybody else, you know. And um, how slavery and racism still permeates uh, us from the colorism perspective. So listening to my roommate was part, there was, I'm not going to lie to y'all. There was this part of me that was like, you getting what you deserve, bitch. Like you're absolutely getting what you deserve. But the bigger part of me was like, just listen to her and, you know, make sure that she's okay. Because what you don't want to do is wake up with a dead white bitch in your living room. Because I don't know what her propensity is to whatever. I don't know how self-destructive she could be. All I know is she's finding a lot of resolve in leaving the apartment in the evenings and going and doing whatever it is that she does. Which is listen to Egyptian bands play old American and British music. So like there's a Coldplay band here. There's a... She's always inviting me to these things, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> like, I can't do it. Oh, Lord, I can't do it. I love Coldplay, but I don't, you know? So, um, but to make sure that whatever I can offer to her well-being, that I can offer it and keep it moving. 
So I don't know what's happening. I'm just letting the tower card fall on her life. And I'm kind of watching this white woman burn. We got, uh, at this point, we have 10 weeks remaining of school. And when Ramadan hits, our days get shorter. So hopefully she can just push on through. But I do believe there's some... um, some coping mechanisms being employed that I've seen before. <laughs> I've been in a rock band and not that that validates this, but I've seen, you know, I, y'all know what? Let me just say this. Y'all know me. I, I done rocked out. I done rocked, rocked, rocked out. And I know certain behaviors when I see them. I know certain, I know the inconsistency. I know when people are struggling to make it through a work day because they done hung out that night and did what they wanted to do. And that is very much who my roommate has had. Um, that's who she is sometimes. You know, it's just, I'm going to go rock out and I'll see you <laughs> at, on campus. Um, and this is a woman who's easily over 42. She's not she can't be any older than 46 but straight up you know no accountability cognitive dissonance disattached from any kind of like reality waits till the last minute to take care of the real business like she she makes sure she looks good as far as the school goes she shows up to work every day she dresses a certain way but she also like my campus is a very modest campus. Ain't nobody on that campus jiggling. You hear me, y'all? Ain't nobody jiggling. And one day, after you know, a weird weekend, my roommate comes and she's jiggling. She's jiggling all over the place. And I know if I noticed it, everybody noticed it. Just jiggling. <laughs> You're jiggling, baby. Go ahead, baby. You're jiggling, baby. And I was like, that's that shit. That's that shit. That's why the kids run around here talking about you on drugs. That's why the kids run around here calling you an alcoholic. That's why it's just, y'all, come on. And then you wake up one day and you're the ultimate victim. With no accountability. I tried, I tried, I tried. It's like you haven't really tried. You don't know these kids. The one kid that um, they gave me to, he's a great kid. And, and he's smart. But she, he was one of the ones, she was like, I can't get him to sit down. Well, do you even know his name? Do you know he plays squash? Do you know his dad has a farm? Do you know that he hates papyrus leaves? <laughs> you know, you got to ease into some of this stuff. But once again, when you got the master's mentality, everything is supposed to wrap itself around you. Everything is supposed to wrap itself around how you see things. Everything is supposed to wrap itself around how you fix things. Everything is supposed to mold itself to you. And it's time out. You can't keep jet setting around this country Telling people, oh, I've been to Morocco, and oh, I've been to Japan, and oh, I've been to Egypt, and I've done this, and I've done that. But I'm watching it, y'all. She's building the world she wants you to see, which is what whiteness does. 
That whole American dream is the illusion. And they are born into being the architects of the illusion. And they are nowhere near it. They are no they are nowhere near it. So that was what happened this week that I wanted to talk about. Um I think it's worth discussing. Um from my perspective because it's part of the experience that I'm having. Um really great things happened this week though. Uh we did shadow teaching day and one of my students, she um there okay, so there's Miss Zara, y'all. Miss Zara is a fashionista. Like she dresses nice every day for like she just she exudes fashionista. Like she Make sure her mascara is on, her lipstick, and she has these amazing emerald green eyes that are shaped like almonds. And she, you know, beautiful smile, and you know, she's shaped like a ooh, she just shaped like a statue, like nice curves, like oh, nice curves. And so all the girls love her. All the little girls, they love Miss Zara because Miss Zara wears makeup, Miss Zara wears heels, Miss Zara is just like. Boom. And I tell her that she, as a matter of fact, in my WhatsApp, it says fashionista. Or they could dress like Miss Kamika. <laughs> Who is like jeans, nice little blouse, sweater, hair, you know, bandana on the hair, you know, no makeup, glasses, you know, the total opposite, but. I have like this great, great, great personality. Miss Zara has great personality too. We're both equal, but she's also like, she carries the element of this like external beauty, like huge external beauty. So one of the students was like, sent me a uh, message like, Miss Spencer, can you send me a picture of one of your outfits? Because I want to dress like you for Tito, Tito, Teacher Shadow Day, Shadow Teacher Day. And I sent her a picture of these little black pants. And I sent her, like, the traditional black choir uniform. Like, <laughs> some black black bottoms and a white top. Because I was like, any kid can imitate this. And sent her a picture of a little, uh, one of my scarves that I wear. And I told her, I said, please don't feel like you have to dress like me. I was like, if you want to dress like Miss Zada, please, you know, feel free to do that. Because one girl came up to me and was like, I hope you don't feel bad, Miss Kamika, but I'm so going to dress like Miss Zara tomorrow because I get to wear my heels and my lipstick. But her mama shut her down. She came to school the next day in her total school outfit. Um, but anyway, the young, the other young lady dressed like me that day. And it was so cool because she's she's a great shadow teacher. She's one of my, one of my eager beavers. And that, that really, like, warmed my heart that, you know, my students tell me. They're like, Miss Spencer, you really inspire us. And I just... It coming from a kid, from a group of kids who can express themselves in that way, it just hits different, y'all. Like, my students really do openly agree that I am the best thing that has ever happened to them. Like, they have literally told me that, and it just feels weird because, um, A, I've never been, I've never been told that. And to be told that by children who speak different languages and who look at me as if I can't fail, who look at me as, you know, the the ninth wonder of the world, who treat me 
um, as as their equal, you know, because they're the future. I know people are like they treat you as the equal. I'm like, they all have no idea. Children are the future. So if you standing before them, if you have them, you are serving your tomorrow. And you must serve it. You can't just bring it to the world and whip it and think it's going to do what you want it to do. So it feels good. And, you know, it feels good to know that I have family here in my students. It feels good to know I have family here in in some of my coworkers. Um, It feels good to know that I'm able to relate and match myself to the energy here. And as crazy as it is, because I can't stay here, you know, this is a great place. It's a great place to visit, but it's not, you know, necessarily where I would like dig a hole and plant my feet. It's home. I've made a home here for myself and that feels good because I don't want to, I am not interested in entertaining what white people think about me. I am not interested in entertaining what people who think they equate to whiteness think about me. I love what children think about me and I love what black people think about me. And black people can take that toxicity and stuff it up their asses. Because if you're not black and you're not about forward movement and you're not about supporting people and you're not about getting yourself together and healing yourself and admitting some of the bullshit you've been able to do and get away with, I don't want to fuck with you either. See how all that comes out when I get passionate? This is why I probably could never run for president. Maybe Senate. In Nigeria, I don't know. But, um, or the House of Commons, I don't know. I don't know none of that. Let me stop. But yeah, when I get passionate, I cuss, and that's just what that is. So I hope your children aren't listening to this. So that was a good part of this week. Um, a lot of things are happening, um, and I'm just happy. I'm, I'm kind of ebbing back into some of my old relationships from when I was published and everybody is doing so well and so good and it just feels good to reconnect with people who were good to me when at a time when I was being good to myself um and I'm eating well and I'm ready to start Ramadan um I did get back on Facebook to post some stuff but I'm gonna post a video right before Ramadan and then that's gonna be it I think that's gonna um be it until Ramadan is over and I'm preparing to come home. Uh, I really love the mental break that happens when I step out of social networking. Uh, I can I can almost see it for what it is now and uh, and what it feeds off of, which is the ego. So even in in people's, you know, morning times, it's, it's all ego. And um, I'm okay with leaving that, that to its to its own devices. All right. So um, today is Friday, and I'm about to get on my computer and take care of some stuff, do my lesson plan. Uh, they're having a women's uh, potluck or feast, not a potluck, a women's uh, dinner at four o'clock to begin the uh, process of welcoming Ramadan in and I'm gonna try to make it today so um that's what's happening in the parking lot I would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on um what happened to my roommate um 
I'm trying to think if, if there's anything else. It just seemed like this big, like, boom. And then once the dust cleared, we're right back to what, what where we were, which is um, indicative of, like, I'm a Scorpio, and I have a propensity for the dramatic. And I can remember things happening to me where I was the victim, where I didn't want to take accountability to that maybe I hadn't tried hard enough or that maybe I didn't do the right thing and I was trying to get away with not doing the right thing and then when I got caught, um, none of it was my fault, but, 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 la, la, la. And the funny thing is these kids do it. Like, you can catch them in a line. They'll go, no, I didn't, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. And I get it, you know? We're setting bad examples in certain instances. We're setting, setting, setting really bad examples, but all of it comes out of this, like, oppression, you know? And we carry it in our DNA. How can I get what I want without losing my life? And that's not how we should be living. And we keep carrying it forward. And I remember having a conversation this week with... um, Y'all know what? Me and my friend Tanya Holloway, we've been doing these vocal recordings back to each other. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's becoming this diary that I'm really enjoying. But anyway, we had a conversation this week where I was telling her about like racism. Like I'm tired of dealing with racism. I, I want to deal with, you know, now where racism is becoming basically colorism. Because I'm living in a place where color is the is is what the racism is. And how we really need to start removing ourselves from from we need to remove ourselves from talking about racism and just fix it because the longer we talk about racism the more we play into what white men created so it's like how can I explain this okay so white men created racism racism is a social construct it doesn't really exist it, like it has no real foundation other than what we keep putting into it and the more we pour our energy into it the more it exists so racism has become like this physical thing post-slavery it has become this whole physical thing and it's something that as long as the white man pours into it it exists and as long as we play into what the white man pours into it it exists and for me I am trying to think of different ways to just fix it and move on so that we can deal with the the ramifications of it. You know what I mean? Like because racism is it's untouchable. It is untouchable. It's not, you know, if we don't go ahead and say, you know what? Racism needs to be criminally um it needs to be a criminal thing. You know, we're catching it in these small small elements but we still on the whole play into it we'll sit around with each other and go man but the white man keep his hand we're playing into it so it's what i'm saying is there's moments where we need to just stop playing into it if it's not right there with us just stop having the conversations about it if you're not doing physically doing something and go ahead and create the real free world that you you know exists yeah tell your kids about it educate them do not let them move through the world and not know about critical race theory. Do not let them move through the world and know about Helen Keller and not know about Booker T. Washington. But in the same breath, in the very same breath, fix it when you can. 
fix these little boys and these men who want to objectify women. Because y'all, I'm living in I am living in a world where I'm like, I can tell when nothing but men had their their hands on something. And it's a mess. And I'm not saying men are a mess. What I'm saying is God didn't create just man. And putting him at the head of anything is a mistake because God created man and woman and animals. So everything should have equal representation on this planet. We should respect, we should be in harmony with nature as we should be in harmony with ourselves. That's my religion. Say what you want. And I know some women like, I don't want no man who can't provide for me, blah, 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 blah. You don't live in that world anymore, boo. You haven't had to, as a matter of fact, why are you single? You've been providing for yourself this whole time. Give yourself some credit. Give yourself some credit. I'm not. Y'all know what? Bye. (laughs) Be good. Be good. Be good. Be God. Peace.